Hey everybody, Julie here. Today's Candid Conversations include discussion on the very real experience of the so-called man-cold, and Dr. Matt shares the science behind it. I'll be a special guest today, and will share some helpful hints on caring for your man when he is in the throes of man's sickness agony. I also take the opportunity to throw Chris under the bus. It's great. We will also discuss the current book scandal at Franciscan University of Steubenville, hashing out the issue of academic freedom and what that means in a Catholic context, and answer some great listener questions. Authentic Catholic education is a big deal. How should one properly be educated? What is true academic freedom? And what is so bad about reading a bad book? Keep listening to find out. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Welcome to the Theology of the Buddy Podcast, Episode 7. Back guys, how are things? Is that the actual no? What? That's not the intro. Why not? Things are great, Chris. How are they with you, dude? I say your name. Oh, I'm. Oh yeah, I should introduce myself. That's my name. I'm Chris, and this is Aaron. I don't want to even like saying my name. Don't you? Yeah, attendees. Call to order, episode seven of the Theology of the Body. We've been ringing so much. I think that's the problem. Welcome to Theology of the Buddy. Okay, yeah. yeah I'm fair. Chris, your host. <laughs> I'm Aaron. <laughs> I'm Matt. Uh, I'm Julie. Julie. <laughs> Who are you? Who are Julie. you? Julie. Julie. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Awesome. Hilarious. Guys, how are you doing? Great. Yeah. This yeah. Christmas, actually, I'm like gearing up to like Christmas. Christmas. Christmas started. Christmas slow. is over. Christmas is over. Well, like I've and I've enjoyed the last end. Yeah, this is the last day of Christmas when we're report, recording this. Well, I don't know how that works. Liturgically, liturgically, and then it extends Devo- to the purification De- as well. Devotionally, it goes to the. Yeah, it's weird. So it's kind of weird. Epiphany? I don't know. After Epiphany? Sundays after Epiphany? But yeah. Anyway, I've uh, enjoyed. I think you meant ordinary time. Oh, sorry. That's what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> so glad we're back in the ordinary yeah. oh, times. Geez. I can't wait to see more green again. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I am like the the last two weeks I've been so sick. Like it's been really annoying and yeah, I don't know. Tell us about your main cold. Oh, yeah, how- right. yeah, so I've been I've been dealing with <laughs> the flu, guys. It's been rough. And I just, yeah, it's, I I wanted to get your thoughts on this, Dr. Matt, because of the fact that women don't seem to respect the fact that, like, when our we symptoms get, are real. Our symptoms are real. Man colds exist. No, I have a problem with that terminology. Why? I, I was debating with Julie just about yeah. two minutes ago. 
man, the term man cult, see, I guess it was tainted by, it came up around the time that this whole issue of mansplaining and man spreading. Don't mansplain to me. I, exactly. So it, it's, they're all, to me, they're all linked. And even if there's like an innocent usage of man cold, there's some real science behind man cold. But wait, what do we call man cold then? So man cold is a derogatory term. Or is it man, like man flu too? I've heard yeah, man flu. Man flu. Same thing. But what do you used, call it then? Used to, oh, you call it the, the flu. The flu. Oh, or okay. that's a cold. 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 Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, but how do we use, differentiate that men have it worse? Well, they respond differently. Yeah, so it's used to imply that men can't handle the same symptoms that women have, and they just turn into, you know, sniffling messes on the couch. Mm. But it turns out there may be some real science to that. Tell us more. Well, I, yeah, the <laughs> science can be kind of boring, but the short of no, it I is... I find it interesting. Yeah, Come this on. you know, this like somebody actually wrote, it's not like a primary research piece, but it was in the British Medical Journal... In December 2017, and they looked at this whole issue, and, and it turns out there's some real scientific basis to why men would experience the exact same infection differently. And the short of it is, did you know men and women are different? What? I know. So, I know. Let me what? let me exa- let me elaborate you without getting too graphic. No, well, that also explains man spreading, but that's that's another issue. No, so the man man cold or man flu, like. It turns out testosterone actually weakens our immune systems and we experience the effects of viruses. Uh, it's, it's basically like a more severe infection. And that's backed up by men actually have a higher mortality rate from all sorts of respiratory diseases. So actual influenza is a respiratory infection. But men also have higher uh, death rates from all sorts of viral illnesses as well. Wow. So... It's not, and it, it doesn't seem to be just that testosterone dampens our immune system. Estrogen is also immunoprotective. So, like, it Put actually... that in your pipe and smoke it, Julie. So, estrogen yeah. seems to increase the immune response, and women can deal with infections quicker. They have to be able to. Now, I think that, I think, it, it didn't go into this in that particular article, but I think the effects would probably equalize at postmenopause, which is why you hear... You know, older people, it's kind of fair game with flu. They're both at risk of dying, men and women. But, you know, obviously men should be, you like, you should be able to deal with certain infections. If it, maybe some guys do put it on, but I'm just saying, it's it's a real thing. Yeah. Eh? So, Chris, share did your, that, jar- share your flu journey you when us. you were lying well, on the couch complaining I, for a long time. Honestly, like, it was, it was difficult. Like, like, I'm sitting there and... Uh, Julie was lovingly reading to me a fantastic book, which I do recommend, Dear and Glorious Physician, um, by Taylor Campbell. Caldwell. Caldwell, excuse me. It's 47 about, years yeah, of research. Six. 47, yeah, 46, 46. 46 years of research. It's, it's a historical novel about uh, St. Luke, and uh, like it's historical fiction, but it's like obviously imbued with all this research, and it's so... It's so well done. Anyway, so she's reading this beautiful story to me as I'm like, you know, falling in and out of consciousness on the on the couch. It, and it was like that for a couple days. It's true, though. Your eyes would close and I'd be reading and I'd hear what sort of sounded like snoring, but I wasn't 100% sure because wasn't... sometimes you breathe like that. <laughs> <laughs> like it just, it sounds a little bit different. 
And I'd say, Chris, you still awake? <coughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm still awake. Keep reading. I'm like, okay. <laughs> how, how do you, how do you handle it when I get a man cold? I wanted to bring Julie on the podcast for this segment because I think, you know, men, I think men who are married have, have this general experience of having a, having wives who will come in. And, and women, them, women kind of experience it too. I mean, I feel like, like I'd read, I don't know if it was the same article, Matt, but probably similar anyway that it talked about it. So, I mean, like I kind of realized like it was, you know, there was some kind of scientific basis behind it. I mean, in terms of caring for a household, it makes sense, but it would make it kind of difficult to kind of understand why, um... What? Nothing. <laughs> no, keep going. But no, it would make it difficult to, like, you know, you're still getting up and you're still making breakfast and you're still doing all the household stuff that needs to be done. I mean, even if you're sick, you're still making it happen. Yeah, that's a thing. Or if I, you have kids, you're still caring for kids, but you still make it happen. I, I think you know, there were, like, in tougher generations probably would have dealt with them a little bit better. I still think, like, the effects probably are different between the sexes, but, you know, that doesn't mean you you have to, you have oh, to. Oh, you're saying because women mean, have to, like, get up and make breakfast because their men would complain if they, they didn't, that they just, they just push through it? Basically. Is that what you're saying? Like, well, they and, still have those things that have to be done. What about and, like, the scientific you don't facts do saying that we affect, we, we feel the effects more? What about science? Yeah, Women still feel it. I know, I feel I like know an electrician who, who, who had to of. do an all-nighter and he was throwing up the entire time, but he just had to wire that building because yeah. they had a scheduled plant shutdown. Exactly. So there, no, so there are men who deal with it better than others, some, too. But I think the general experience is like, women, you just, you keep going. Like, you don't, you don't have time to stop. This is a thorn in my side only because... I got laser eye surgery and my eyes stung when I put in drops and I complained about it to my mother who had cancer and was going through chemo and, like, <laughs> and I came at, the time, at the time and I was complaining to my mom about how much my eyes were stinging. But the nice thing is she was actually, she was actually looking at you sympathetically yeah. during it. But see, she <laughs> that's women. I mean, it's not to say that like, I mean, okay, to illustrate an example and I'd love to see people's comments or hear people's comments on what, you know, what your general experience is. But let's say I'm sick. I'm a little sniffly. I could really use some signy tap. I need to get it myself. What? But sometimes you did. The last time I was kind of sick, you did bring it to me. Like, you just said, I'm going to bring this to you. I was like, wow, that, you don't always do that. So, I mean, but generally speaking, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Aaron, I think we should go for a whiskey no. break or something. Yeah, this is great <laughs> but generally speaking, if, if, like, women will usually just get it themselves. I, my... Jerry. 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 Yeah, just like, y'all don't know me. Y'all don't know me. No, my, like, you, my... I mean, say, Chris, for example, you if you have, like, a runny nose, anything uh-huh. like that, I'm either asked to get it or I get it. You I don't get you to wipe my nose. No, 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 no. I'll go goodness. get you Kleenex you, Julie, or I'll get Julie, you Sunny Tab or I'll get you I'll some cough medicine. Yeah, if you're, like, if you're like, where the, where the stuff is. Or you'll get toilet paper. 
Julie, don't you understand? Yeah, I'll use toilet <laughs> the paper. The weight of his paper. office is crushing him, and yeah. then he gets this debilitating illness, and he's so stressed because yeah. how can I function as an authority? It's it's crushing. You just wouldn't understand. Like I know. he's crushed, and and you're there to sweetly help him. Exactly. So that being said, though, being there to sweetly help, you just you don't you say suck. anything. You just you get suck. your man his medicine, <laughs> honey. You have a runny nose. I will go get you that Kleenex, and you do it. Look, you just go get it. It's a video podcast. Christmas Bane is like we're done podcasting. Like look, you're, look, here's the thing. Don't go to Matt's tonight. Or you read to him. You pick up a book and you read to him. You, look, look. You man. make him feel loved. Really, that's what you do. <laughs> yeah, my, my parents, my dad will openly say that my mom deals with sick. Like, he gets sick and my dad's out for weeks. Like, two weeks, he's out, he's complaining. So, like, I've seen this too. And my mom, like, I've never really seen my mom sick. No, so, I never really did either. Whereas, <clears throat> yeah, my dad. High estrogen. High, my dad, well, yeah, my dad's, like, on the couch for two weeks. He's just, like, garbage. So, like, yeah. who knows who, what to say. I'd, I'd be curious, like, objectively. like if Who you would could, get who the medicine? I mean, if she was sick. My mom. Obviously. She well, had her, her, her own for herself. I I don't remember my mom ever being sick. I don't, like, she never gets sick. Or she just never let it show. Yeah. yeah. Unlike yeah. Chris. Unlike Chris. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we know you're uh, sick. Oh, Chris. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah, you're yeah. This is the first but, and last but, time Julie has there's a biblical reason why like you are different. asked to assist me. You are meant to be my helpmate. My Ezer Kenegdo, as it says in the Hebrew. And and you and, and you're gonna complain about being that? That's your vocation, woman. Yeah, but it's your job. It's 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 your job to get everyone in the family's medicine, including yourself. Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Chris, you will benefit from an up- upcoming podcast episode. <coughs> oh yeah? yeah, yeah. Do we have one coming up? Uh, yeah, we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about issues related to men and uh, various things. Yeah, how to be right? one, Chris. How to right. be one. Yeah. Speaking speaking of that, uh, we wanted to also talk about the new update regarding Father Mark Goring. It's not super new. It happened what within the last week and a half, two weeks. Um, but since at least the last time we were chatting, yeah, our episode five is already out of date. <laughs> the rise of the Tratismatics, yeah, and the fall of the Tratismatics. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, Father Mark Goring got a cease and desist after going after Cardinal Whirl, right? That was was well, that, that was at least the timeline. Did you it, did you write into Cardinal Whirl? Did you write into like the? No, I wasn't part of that whole shtick. The, the emails that were... Anyway, that's I guess that's a... Oh, you didn't? Oh, I did. The emails that were given were for, like, different people, though. Yeah, the Diocese of... The Archdiocese of Washington, yeah. the Nuncio... I can guarantee Cardinal World never saw your email. No, I know, but, like, someone did, like, because he clearly got in trouble. Yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. Well, we don't know that that... I, I know somebody probably contacted... Actually, man, I remember saying that to you, though. Right after, like, it, all it's going to take is a phone call. And that's so unfortunate that... All it did take was a phone call to one of his superiors yeah. to cause them the slightest discomfort. I don't want to. I, I, I don't want to impugn his superiors either, but the, the the timing is suspicious. Yeah, yeah, especially yeah, given what has recently hit the news regarding Cardinal World, right? It's, yeah. Uh, what you mean? He actually knew he about McNair. Yeah. Didn't we all know he knew? Now yeah. we just have documented proof. Yeah. So Vigano is is vindicated once more. Yeah. Oh. 
Chris, you should put in that clip about, I don't think this is some sort of massive, massive crisis. <laughs> that's, that's world. That's world. Ugh. Yeah. Just. Yeah. Yeah, now, anyway. the, now the crisis comes knocking on his door, which is unfortunate. He could have been a great, a great bishop and a priest. Yeah, anyway, yeah, fa- but Father Mark Goring, and then he appealed over YouTube to the Pope. And you know, that's did you see? You saw I that? didn't see that. No. Oh, so you, he's trying to play in the authority structure. Like he's he he says he's a man of his word. He took a vow of obedience, so he's going to listen to his superiors and not carry on with these like kind of action call to action videos year of war oh, man we're in the year of war by the way yeah and um so he said the only person who can authorize that is pope francis so he made this appeal on youtube saying pope francis please through your own authority let me no it, it wasn't like that. he was it was more like to me i read it like it was like he had like he still had an internal like crisis like i should like it seemed to me he felt like he should be doing this yeah and then he appealed to pope francis saying like can i he it was more like can i continue yeah, he's appealing to Pope Francis' yeah. authority because he can authorize anything. Yeah. Just like... Isn't that... You didn't know about that. I didn't know about that part. Uh, yeah, he... It was... Kind of, and that's the last podcast he's put out. The last video. It's, it's been silent since then. So I wonder how the appeal went. Radio silence. He huh? should... Well, maybe he's... Maybe he had to fly to Rome for his papal audience. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Let's hope. Let's hope. Man. Yeah. He was really courageous you know but like i mean it's very interesting i mean everybody who's sharing especially when that cease and desist announcement came out you know everybody was like who didn't see this coming who didn't see this coming i mean you have to think like he probably saw it coming yeah too, you know like I, well, he kind of, he's for, just innocent like i don't think yeah. he's courageous he just like did what he knew to be the right thing to do well, like, isn't I, that I, courage I, yeah yes but it, to me his simplicity is, seemed to really like there was no temper. like there was no self motivation of that. It was purely, no. yeah, he saw that this needed to be done and he knew he had to act. Mm-hmm. It was not like trying to make his name more known. It was not trying to, you know, get any status for himself. It was literally just, well, nobody's doing this and it needs to be done. So again, this all lends itself to something, you know, aspects of manhood that we're going to be talking about in the future. But yeah, yeah so I'm looking for yeah. Looking forward to learning more about that. Yeah. Now, like, speaking about silencing from your superiors, so recently got a a phone call from a a friend of mine, a priest friend of mine, who had listened to uh, one of our podcasts in particular, uh, the Set of Beneplenism episode. Go on. And uh, he had a lot of critiques regarding it and i won't go into into all of them but the one thing that he he had suggested to me was that he's like i feel like you need to at the beginning of your episodes uh encourage or share with your listeners that you guys aren't actually like officially sanctioned by the church or like you aren't actually like real theologians is anyone under the impression that we are i would really like to know (laughs) who is and and i mean granted he's only listened to one episode i'm pretty certain the fact is like i think that nobody who's listening thinks that we're actually as far as i'm concerned that's a bit of a badge of honor in today's state i know there are still good theologians in the church but there are some officially sanctioned theologians who in saner times would have been dealt with very swiftly and at very high temperatures by death yes yeah so yeah although please don't listen to our podcast and make life decisions because that scares the heck out of me kids so 
don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, man, always, I would say... consult, always consult your, your superior slash spiritual director. Yeah. It's hard to find a good spiritual director these days. Yeah. Priests are kept so busy as we've talked about, but yeah, if you have one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Seriously though. Like, uh, yeah, I just, I found it very interesting. That but like, wait, like, that was a serious critique. Yeah, he was like, "You guys should do this," and yeah, well, maybe we'll maybe we'll listen to the vo- the voicemail together sometime and do it and do an actual response to to his other critiques. But, anyways, I just thought it was very interesting because, you know, at the same time he's saying this, you know, I, um, I'd said on my Facebook that um, the topic for today, which we're going to get into, I kind of spoiled it a little bit. And I said, you know, we're gonna we might do a, a Facebook live about it. And uh, I got a message from somebody else saying, you shouldn't talk about the Franciscan issue. Um, oh, spoiler alert. It's about Franciscan University. Don't talk about it. It's it's a little too, uh, you know, we've got a, we've got more important things to deal with. And, you know, and I, I respected that that feedback, of course, you know, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, there we're going to get into the details of of this scandal. And I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on it. Um I, I studied at Franciscan for a year, Franciscan University for a year, and while I didn't get my degree, I think I did get the opportunity to have an opinion. Yeah, I, I think it's it's time to talk about it. So are you guys familiar with the the actual scandal at Franciscan going on right now, kind of made popular through church militant and those guys? Somewhat, but our listeners may not. Well, yeah. Yeah. Only what was shared over text message. There's only yeah. so much we can go into it. It's so yeah, obscene. It, it is obscene. So long long story short, so Dr. Stephen Lewis, who is a professor of English at uh, Franciscan University of Steubenville, I lovingly refer to it as my alma mater, even though I only went there for a year. Julie, who is currently with us, she went there for a year as well, yeah. um, the year after I went there. The long, the long and short of it is that this Dr. Stephen Lewis had assigned a, a reading from a book called The Kingdom by a French atheist by the name of Emmanuel Carre. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. We'll get our resident uh, francophone to uh, correct me on that. Yeah, and so in this book, the, um, the author goes into gross detail about... Uh, from a first-person perspective, it is a, a work of fiction, but he goes into great detail uh, regarding things of a highly pornographic nature, as well as actually um, opining his his thoughts on the Mother of God, on Mary, in in particular to her sexuality and in a totally blasphemous oh, context. incredibly blasphemous and so disgusting. And you know the way it's been it's been framed from some of the people, ha, you know, has been, uh, oh well, you know, he, it wasn't being done out of malice. Or Dr. Lewis is a great Catholic teacher. He, you know, he wouldn't intentionally do this for for scandalous reasons or whatever. You know, it's it's for the the reasons of of education and and to help young people with their formation to be able to deal with the outside world because. This is what they're going to experience on the outside world. But, I mean, it exploded. It literally exploded. I, I'm, I'm still well-connected with a lot of people from Franciscan. And almost every day since then, um, that, was, that was about a week ago, um, that, it, that it broke. Like, it's, I've seen things almost every day about it in my news feed. 
and it and it was interesting like the original the initial response from the um, public relations manager by the name of Tom Sofio he he basically he punted like it was like you know he actually said Francis University really holds that you know we you, we're trying to essentially help our students be well prepared for the world then in the backlash of everything Father Sean Sheridan, who is the the president, he's a, a TOR Franciscan there, came out and said in a public press release, basically, our bad. This was I, I do want to apologize for this book, which is highly pornographic, which is he, he used those words, and also blasphemous to our lady, which, you know, good on him for at least making that. But then he went on for a while. You were saying, um, Matt, like, then he went on for two two extra paragraphs defending. Yeah, right at the beginning. I mean, good good for him. Like, at the beginning and end of the letter, he begged forgiveness of God for this. But, like, back, again, back in saner times, you know, when, the, when there were things being discussed between theologians of a sensitive nature, it was always in Latin, so that it was restricted to basically the priestly class nobody else would really have understood it maybe obviously scholars as well but like this is something that it it wouldn't have even been transcribed into latin what was in that book it was so repugnant and repulsive and that person like that author would have been tried if he was in a, a catholic country and i think with good reason he would have been tried probably found guilty and executed you know we don't we i think in modern times we take this stuff way too lightly the damage that that can cause to other people. The the letter, like I said, had some, it, sure, it had some good points, but yeah, right in the right in the first paragraph, he said, you know, he, the, I know this professor, he didn't intend for it to be scandalous. He admitted that it was scandalous. I don't think it matters what his intention was. He went on to explain how, you know, we at universities have to balance the needs of exposing our students to what they're going to face in the real world versus, you know, showing them too much. Like that has nothing that has nothing to do with what was in that disgusting book. And I know it was only I think it was like an upper year class with like, what, five students in it or something. Again, I I think that book is nothing short and exposing anyone to that book is nothing short of diabolical scandal. There's like there's there's zero good you can take away from that, especially Mm -hmm. like like consider Our Lady and how innocent and pure and holy and perfect she was and is like there's no there's no excuse for that that professor anyone any catholic who thinks that is at all appropriate even in a limited context to expose anyone to he should not be working at a catholic university yeah full stop he should be gone does anyone explain like what educational purpose does this serve i'm curious like i've like i'm reading through some quotes here like like oh we like like what like, that what, that, what ha- that hasn't been answered. Like people just say like oh education, but it's just like yeah, but, it's, but what education? Yeah, like I mean because it was for upper class <clears throat> upperclassmen. There was five students in the class um, that was re- that were reading this book. The essentially the what's being said is you know they are preparing these students for grad school because this is what they are going to experience so in grad like have school. To watch pornography to like get a PhD? Is that kind of it? Like, right. Well, to like, learn about the optimal use of camera angles. Yeah. Like it's it's absolutely it's it's garbage. garbage. That, yeah, that's failed logic it is. Yeah. Well, you know, we don't 
in some we don't have enough respect for the sacred i think in modern times and there's almost there's been too much of a separation driven between the mundane and the holy to the point where we don't even see the holy anymore and how that needs to be treated with reverence and respect that's not something you joke around with like uh, well you know i i don't that and that author i don't envy his position he's gonna have to explain that to our lord one day yeah and like, i would i wouldn't want to be in that position and that's the thing the thing that i'm finding very interesting and you know if this is something that has changed please somebody in the comments or uh somebody reach out to us at theology of the buddy at gmail.com if there is an official statement from dr stephen lewis recanting his decision you know admitting admitting the error i would love to read that i haven't found it i haven't seen it i haven't seen anything like that i've seen official responses from the school from the administration like father sean um i've seen messages from people like dr john bergsma you know bob dr bob rice scott hahn these guys they all have an opinion but the guy who did it doesn't have an opinion plus like you didn't you say you've run into some blowback from people online arguing saying yeah you know you should be able to see stuff like absolute trash like this yeah but like they yeah in the name of academic freedom that this is an affront against academic freedom as if academic freedom we'll get into this but as if academic freedom usurps the dignity and the and the worship of god and you know yeah. the hyperdulia due to our lady and all of that you yeah know, we've like, been totally ruined post-enlightenment really it dates back to at least then anyway yeah it wasn't much of an enlightenment it was it was a darkening of, yeah. of society but true and that's the thing like i find it very interesting you know the fact that there are there is such division among fellow students from franciscan on this issue so many seem quite divided about it yet you know you've got the president of the school who you know is you know you know a member of the clergy saying very clearly in very clear terms this was highly pornographic and blasphemous not only do you have that but um on I think it was January, was it 11th? I think it was January 11th um, at Christ the King Chapel on campus at Franciscan, three o'clock. Um, one of the chief evangelization officer for Franciscan University, um, another Franciscan guy, uh, priest, uh, led a holy hour of reparation mm-hmm. in honor of the Immaculate Heart of Mary um, in light of all of this. If, if it wasn't blasphemous, why you know why would there be this this response you know like they wouldn't just be making this up to try to um you know save face you know what i mean like they wouldn't go to this this extent um you know and good on them for doing yeah the, the holy hour and things like that like i mean that 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 shows that at least there's somebody within the faculty that are like okay we actually need to make legitimate reparation for this stupidity because we screwed up. They probably need to do more holy hours, but you know, I yeah. digress. Another, yeah. The thing too is that there are others um, for within the faculty, people that I was really surprised about. Father Bob, or uh, sorry, Professor Bob Rice, 
um, who's an associate professor of theology. Um, I go into this, by the way, I go, I'm going to be going into this in greater detail. Um, all of this will be dictated, uh, you know, and not dictated, but um, noted in long form in our, in our show notes on Podbean. Um, and uh, on my own personal blog, I'm going to be sharing it there as well. It's gonna, there'll be links um, available uh, if you want to see full comments and links to to all of this. But yeah, I just I found it very interesting that even Bob Rice, you know, you've got the the official president saying highly pornographic and blasphemous, and then Bob Rice, prof- associate professor of theology, you know. He's a he's a big pooba on campus. He really is, and he his response was an arguably pornographic book. That was how he referred to it in his blog, on which was called "I Still Love Franciscan." Um, arguably, arguably, yeah. There should be no division over this. Like I, I'm not. I won't speak to individual people, but anyone who is divided on the side saying this is potentially acceptable needs to reevaluate the relationship they have with our Lord and our Lady because it's insufficient. Yeah. They have an insufficient understanding of of God and what and education should be. Yeah. I guess so like who is this this lady here, Emily Stimson? Yeah, Chapman? So, yeah, so Emily Stimson Chapman, yes. She is a she was a former teacher at Franciscan. She's a popular Catholic author. Okay. Um, she has her own blog. Anyway, yeah, she came out of the woodwork uh, from her from her La La Land of Instagram, and uh, decided to write a post, uh, quite scathing towards... Well, like, okay, his, his de- she wrote, his desire to equip students to respond to virulently anti-Catholic, I don't know how to pronounce the word, sentiments in literature and culture is not a bad thing. Like, I still don't understand, like, so I want her to say, like, what, what or is the, the teacher, like, what are they, how are they equipping people to deal with anti-catholic culture by reading this like what like what were the reports that these students were asked to do in this book is there anything about that no yeah yeah I, I, there, there, there hasn't been any real answer as like to i want to i want to see what, some of these students reports like what are they handing in on this book could be interesting to see what they write about yeah like like, so, like not the, catholic I, I still don't i think you have to take it i think we're a step too far if we admit that that can even be done like nobody should be writing a report on this like that this it's so yeah that's what i mean like, what's the point it's it's just there's nothing like it's just yeah why is there argument there's really yeah. this isn't an issue like bad book you know yeah like bad book. Like, yeah but like it's, it, i guess what the issue is how, should be dealt with should be dealt with like how are people yeah i guess the issue is why are people defending this at all like it's just it's so bizarre and i guess i was at a party the other day it's just like how can catholics who all claim to be Catholic have, have wildly differing opinions on very fundamental things. It's like just the breakdown, I suppose, of Catholicism in our yeah. day. Yeah. Like she said, another quote that just got my heckles up and I address it in, in my blog is she says, second, I have no idea if the execution of those intentions was good or not referring to Dr. Lewis. I don't know if that was the right book to choose or not. You don't know you're a Catholic theologian and a Catholic author. Like, you've been featured on, like, multiple different Catholic platforms. Are you serious? And it was a direct you... attack on the mother of God. Are you yeah. kidding me? But in the most disgusting possible way. Yeah. Declare shenanigans. Yeah. I don't know if that was the right book to choose or not. I don't know if the class discussion was sufficient or not for helping the students grasp why they were reading the material and how to handle it. So here's the thing. It t- can I just... It takes... I'm, <coughs> I'm in academia... 
in some ways, it takes an academic to say something so profoundly stupid as that. Like there, you do not need a degree to to be able to process that. Any child, well, obviously you're not going to expose a child to this, but anyone with the most basic grasp of Catholicism knows that is morally repugnant. You don't like you do not need a graduate degree to know how to deal with that. No. This is this again. A certain type of stupid only comes from academics, and I'm sorry, whatever chap face you are, <laughs> Emily Chapman, you are stupid. Yeah, I'm sorry. It, it's it's honestly, You're an idiot. yeah, like You're an idiot. like she goes on to say, and 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 this was this was one of the things I talked I talked about in my blog too. I do know that Franciscan is a university, not a seminary, and that its students are adults not children, and therefore perfectly capable of skimming the racy parts in a book and analyzing the problematic and even blasphemous bits from the perspective of faith and reason. First of all, I want to point out something. Uh, was that sexist to say, like, to differentiate, like, the, the the sheltered men in the seminary versus the men and women in... The real world. In the real world. Like, like first of all, like, why, why, why protect seminarians and... Protect. And seminary, mm-hmm. like priests, what they hear in the confessional. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they actually have extra protections beyond us. I mean, it's a yeah. con- like, isn't it a common understanding that priests, or especially those of elevated office, have extra guardian angels assigned just to their office? So, I mean, the, the idea that somebody in the world is better equipped to deal with this? No. I'm sorry. Yeah. I do agree with, at the end, like, I got the link to the Church Militant article. I had to close it. It was revolting. Mm-hmm. Like, why? Why is Church Militant disseminating? Well, yeah, I agree. The with that. most disgusting parts of that. I get that. Um, and I, I think you know, not that the rationale is correct, okay, but at this point, right? They in in their article, they do say multiple faculty members had reached out to Doctor Lewis and had voiced their concerns, all with negative effect. Like nothing mm-hmm. was ever nothing was ever listened to. So essentially. I think church militant, if I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt, I still think, again, it was, it, it, it's bad form to have shared the intricacies of it. You know, like I can't get those images out of my head. Thanks a lot, Boris. But I mean, if they hadn't have said anything, what would have, you know, what would have happened? Right. It would have just been business as usual at Franciscan university. If somebody hadn't have actually done anything, because apparently you can go to the you can go to the administration and voice your concerns, and it's not going to be listened to. There's been a, quite a few recent articles, you know, talking about sexual abuse on campus that has occurred and how and how the faculty and administration have handled it, which has been incredibly poor. So I mean, at this point, you know, going to the faculty members, you can almost guarantee it's probably not going to be heard. You know, so Which so somebody like, had to open up their mouth and try to make it stop. This is just the same, like, why people shoot the messenger with treads. Like, why are you so bitter and why are you talking with this? So it's, well, because, like, we've been talking about this, like, stuff like McCarrick. Like, everyone knew about him for 20 years. And, like, no one did anything. So, like, here, yeah, how long was this book, like, actually circulated? Right. Yeah. And it needs to be stopped. And, like, so if someone <laughs> went to Church Militant, it, it should have never got that far because it just should have never happened. So don't, but don't blame Church Militant for just telling people what happened. Blame the people yeah. who did it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Having said, I support that last um, sentiment by Chapface. Well, she also said in grad <coughs> school, they'll read far, far worse things than this. 
she she does again that betrays a lack of understanding of the nature of god and our lady what there's nothing worse than that the commandments are in order for a reason there's there's nothing worse than what was said in that book so yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, so I'm glad, getting. I'm <laughs> so glad I didn't read the article. So I actually have no idea what you guys are talking I about. Did, but don't read the article if you're listening no. to this because it sounds like Chris is forever scarred. Well, forever. yeah, I closed it about <coughs> quarter of the way in. I think. I mean, I ju- it was just. I didn't yeah. read it, but you know the general details that it's blasphemous and yeah. pornographic. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I guess. Yeah, I read Church Militant's descriptions of it that blocks a text that were quoted. Didn't you? I could. I, I didn't yeah, you had to close it. Yeah. yeah. No, exactly, exactly. I, and that's the thing. Like, I honestly, it. So this whole thing happened, and I have been kind of thinking about it. And then one of our listeners reached out to me and said, "Hey, I think you guys should talk in particular about this scandal at Franciscan University. Uh, his name is Mike. He's from the USA. He." Or Michael, excuse me, Michael. He asked, he said, I'm wondering if you have read or looked into the heresy of modernism laid out under Pope Leo XIII and Pius X. I was thinking of Pope Pius reaffirming tradition and saying liberty is not license. Freedom of the press and freedom of speech and freedom of religion are all suspect and contrary to church teaching. And if you have, that should be a podcast episode. I'd like to hear you and the fellas hashing that one out. So when so when he reached out, I was like, okay, well, obviously I want to talk about this a little bit. So the landmark encyclical was Pope Saint Pius the Tenth. That, that was for no, I, I Pope Pope Pius the Tenth uh, Pascendi. Pascendi is so good. Dominic, yeah, Dominici Gregis. Oh, well, it's hard to summarize, but basically he said he condemned modernism as the synthesis of all heresies yeah. and as a revolutionary doctrine in the church yeah he did he did yeah the the thing that was was interesting so like it this thing took me right down a rabbit hole and i was like okay well why is this wrong well and why why are catholic students from franciscan university not really understanding why this is wrong to do and one thing (laughs) one thing i kind of realized was that thomism is not really like super focused on it franciscan so I was kind of realizing, which it's kind of ridiculous, right, Jules? Like, yeah. it's so so weird. Um, it's actually quite stupid. But I, to have, it spells it out. It's A, stupid. B, C. It's stupid. It's you stupid. got a question? Look up your answer. Yeah. It's there. Um, what did you find down this rabbit hole, though? So so first of all, I wanted to say I think it all comes down to consequentialism. At the end of the day, right? Consequentialism is defined is. as the club. Sorry. <laughs> and now a word from our sponsor. Thanks for jo- joining us, Julie. Consequentialism is defined by Wikipedia. I think they define it well. Um, it's the class of norm- normative ethical theories holding that the consequences of one's conduct are the ultimate basis for any judgment about the rightness or wrongness of that con- of that conduct. Um, what does that mean? In like a- so what does that mean in layman's terms? It means... Basically, um, the ends justify the means. Well, or to tell if something's bad, you yeah. only look at its effect, whether it's good or bad. Which that yeah, that denies quite a few Catholic principles. Mm-hmm. The principle of the integral good. In order for something to be morally good, all of its constituent parts have to couldn't, be morally good. Couldn't consequentialism be right if you look at how it affects God? No, like just like oh, this is a sin that causes our Lord to suffer more. 
Like, I guess only from God's. Well, it's kind of hard to think with the mind of God. Okay. But, um, no, this is but consequentialists but, think from an more of an individual basis. Okay. Yeah, so and I and and I think do. and I think that's kind of the mentality that has been pervading at least the things that speak in support of Dr. Lewis. Well, Dr. Lewis is a good Catholic. No, um, he's not. And <laughs> hold on. Okay, sorry. So, you know, Dr. Dr. Lewis is a good Catholic. He's, you know, committed to the faith. No, he's not. Um, he, he loves his students. No, he doesn't. Um, <laughs> he, yeah. Okay. Like, oh, and and he d- he's doing this for the purpose of preparing his students to be more effective, essentially more effective Catholics in the work world ahead. That's stupid. And I and I think that that comes down to consequentialism. Do you do you agree with that? Yeah, I don't know if that's the I mean, I don't know if that's the only um, motivating principle behind what's going on, but I can certainly see how what you say, like how it's at play here. Yeah. Like it comes down to that that the principle of the of the integral good, right? Which which is from Saint Thomas Aquinas, right? He talks about that in the Summa. And Father Ripperger has a nice book on it called The Principle of the Integral Good. I haven't read it yet. It's his more most recent one, as far as I know. Yeah. You can you can find more information about that principle in the Summa Theologiae. Ooh. Uh, in the first part of the second part, question eighteen, article four. Yeah, you know, like okay, wait, just like more like just kind of base level what's written on like these five students by the sounds of this book like where their imagination was was like corrupted by these these visuals and like i don't know if people know this but there's a i can't remember what private revelation it was no it wasn't a private revelation it was something in a saint alphonsus liguri but you can die by thinking evil thoughts like you can you can commit mortal sin in your head it's in the Bible somewhere about when our Lord says, if you think, yeah, uh, if, if you, you even think about commit adultery in your heart, heart, then you're guilty of adultery. You're guilty of adultery. So like that comes down to like, if you commit a mortal sin by like wishing you would, you will receive the punishment of that act, even though, even if you couldn't act on it. So like if you're corrupting these people's imaginations and then it causes them to sin, even in their head, they could, well, that's a sin, first of all, which is bad enough as it is, but like they can wind up in hell for that. Like you could like, and why is this not addressed? Like, you know, like, and that's, you know, Father Ricker says, don't look at porn because like the demons, anything in your memory, demons can just like throw back at you when you're trying to like focus at mass. And it's just like, you know, so like what happens if these, yeah, it's just disgusting. This guy's yeah. stupid. This is yeah. stupid. Why are we t- like this? this Plus, is I mean, stupid, even, even taking away the religious aspect of it, it, it is, it not only is a scandal, it. I think it's a near occasion of sin for any adult male to be reading Absolutely. just the or, descriptions. Or, or of, female. I yeah, mean, but, Father Ripperger says but I think that the numbers like, is you know generally yeah. the same in the confessional of male and female struggling. Yeah, I, I, I got the impression it was five. Maybe, yeah, maybe it wasn't all male students. But anyway, yeah, yeah that I think don't we define, you know, occasions of sin like a approximate occasion of sin is where the majority of people in a given situation will end up sitting or that's kind of a, a general understanding of what you know approximate occasion and you have um you have a grave obligation to avoid those and actually if you willingly put yourself in approximate occasion of sin that itself is a sin so the professor putting these students into that i mean you can't read the stuff they're reading again even ignoring the blasphemous context of it without it being an occasion of sin 
Anyway, and that's I, why and modernism. I think there's more than just consequentialism at play because modernism is rife through all of Catholicism today, including in the traditional movement. Traditionalists have certain aspects of their faith that have been, you know, kind of polluted by modernism. Like what? And modernism sure. is the synthesis of all heresies, so it includes everything in it. Mm. Yeah. Um, some really great quotes that. I found from when I was doing some research with regards to um, the principle of the integral good. Um, Pope Gregory the 16th said this um, home run. He said, every law condemns deliberately doing evil simply because there is some hope that good may result. Is there any sane man who would say poison ought to be distributed, sold publicly, stored and even drunk because some antidote is available and those who use it may be snatched from death again and again yeah i mean and i feel like that applies obviously to what we we're talking about with consequentialism like the fact that these these people are saying well you know they're they're upperclassmen they can handle this like their educational level can can save them they're from mature adults. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're mature, mature adults. adults. So they they don't they aren't impacted by grave mortal you know immoral evil. Yeah, and see that's another that then there's probably another aspect at play. And actually, I think Father Ripperger accuses traditionalists of this aspect of Go on. modernism, immanentism. What is that? Where the the best um, description of the faith is the, the subjective experience of it. And like even, you know, pure eminentists end up, you know, even denying Catholic prophecy and miracles and stuff because it's not something they experience. So, you know, eminentists literally just see how they how they interact with the faith and they think that's the best explanation of it. Um, I don't understand that. Can you explain that a little better? Did that make sense to you? No. Okay, good. Woo, thanks, Julie. <laughs> like, wait, like, what do you mean? I don't get it. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm curious. You brought it up. Imminent, imminentism tries to lend. Uh, I mean, it's an approach. It's an approach to the faith purely based on your subjective experience. How does it apply to this? No, no, just or in general first, like or whatever. Well, so again, the, like all these people making these apologies for this statement are are just saying, well, you know, it, like. The, there are certain circumstances here and like I think I would have been able to handle this in my grad studies and and, and they're denying an objective component to okay. what's going on here. I think, <coughs> I think I get that a little more. That's yeah. so stupid though. Like don't people realize that like anyone, like St. Thomas Aquinas, after he chased that prostitute out of his room with the with the flaming log, like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good story. <laughs> he like, he, yeah. he um, Chesterton said that he never was had the temptation to sin of like the sixth and ninth commandments anymore. But that, do you think St. Thomas Aquinas would still not guard himself against like falling into that sin? Like just because like, okay, like maybe you don't look at pornography, like you could, and you would, if God removed his grace, it has nothing to do mm. with you. So if you like flippantly, like just like dink around, it's like, Oh, well like I can, I can look at racy stuff because like, I don't look at porn. Well, like, well, if you presume that then God will just remove his grace from you. 
and then you will just become the you'll, worst of sinners. Like, yeah, you'll fall right into it. Yeah. yeah. Like, as soon as you start falling into that sin of presumption, right? Just the Lord's like, okay, well, yeah. if, if you, you if can you, do this on you, your own. Yeah. 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 Or, or Satan that won't tempt you, and he'll let you, he'll let you fall into the worst sin of pride because mm. he'll just, he'll be like, well, I'll pull back from like porn on this guy because like he thinks he's all that by himself. Like, no. Like, yeah, this guy doesn't need porn. He, he's enough for himself. Yeah. 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 No, it's true. It's true. <laughs> And the the thing that I also found interesting was especially the response with regards to academic freedom as if this was an attack on a universal right. And I, the, the church seems to have like pretty strong words with regards to essentially how we understand academic freedom. You know, academic freedom in the in the secular sense seems to be, the ability to follow the follow a lead wherever it goes and and you know to allow people complete and utter license and expression no matter what which is kind of a perversion of the truth because right. we do have an obligation to follow truth no matter where it goes no matter where he goes obviously truth is our lord but that's kind of a subtle twisting of it again satan is pretty smart and it was clearly at play in laying down these secular versions of academic freedom. Yeah. But no, we have a duty to the truth. Right. Not just to uh, academic curiosity. This isn't like new, though, this this scandal. Because like seminaries have been teaching seminarians since the 60s and 70s, like pornographic material. Yeah. Well, so like sure. I've, maybe they just like maybe they just moved a professor and like this is just like this. They've all been doing this. Well, probably. Dr. Lewis has been at Franciscan for a while. I think he was there when, I, when we were there, um, which was... Um, I don't know. That was before Vatican, the Second Vatican Council, anyway. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Um, but yeah, like with regards to academic freedom, you know, the church does actually have the ability to re- regulate education. Um, you know, wh- one of the things that I said in my in my article is that um, if anything you take away from this article, it should be this that the catholic church does not owe her children a secular education but a catholic one you know there and there is a difference there she says uh or mm-hmm. pope, okay. Pi- pope pius the the 11th in divini ilius magistry said again it is the inalienable right as well as the indispensable duty of the church to watch over the entire education of her children in all institutions public or private not merely in regard to the religious instruction they are given Emily Stimson Chapman, listen up. But in regard to every other branch of learning and every regulation insofar as religion and morality are concerned. So, I mean, it, the church has the right to dictate. No argument here, yeah. You Book, know. Books shall be burned, like thoughts shall be quenched. Like, and yeah. Error has no rights. Error has no rights. It doesn't It doesn't have a right to be to have a platform. Heretics used to be burnt. Like, not, I'm not saying we should do that, but like, just like, if that was done, like, think of like the severity that these people dealt with, like, dissenting thought i guess that's kind of scary now we're saying that i'd be like oh like that's like thought police but like i guess when you have the truth letting people fall into error is a grave injustice to them if you have the truth oh yeah libertarians and you know these free thinking people conservatives who sound like they're on our side would be horrified of the full catholic tradition because they don't i mean they, they don't a lot of them 
even if they get they pay lip service to the idea of objective truth don't don't really think through the ramifications of that yeah. i mean if something is objectively true and we know objective truth is a person any attack on him like it is it, it does yeah. yeah it doesn't have it, it doesn't have a you don't have a right to attack truth and beauty in the person of god yeah. it's true so like like yeah. we're just we're just dust that he created. We don't have a right to f- flip him off. And pastors and like leaders and teachers have an, have like an obligation to to get rid of crap like this, not yeah. to promulgate it. It's true. Like like even John Paul II, uh, you know, even. T- for what for, but he <laughs> he did say in Ex Cordiae Ecclesiae, which is is a document that Franciscan says that they take very seriously. I believe Father Sean Sheridan wrote his dissertation on it. Um, anyway, he said in it, because knowledge is meant to serve the human person, research in a Catholic university is always carried out with a concern for the ethical and moral implications, both of its methods and of its discoveries. It is essential that we be convinced of the priority of the ethical over the technical, of the primacy of the person over things, of the superiority of the spirit over matter. The cause of the human person will only be served if knowledge is joined to conscience. You know, so I think there's there's a lot to be said there. I mean, the the church takes seriously that search for tr- the truth, but says <coughs> like um, Pope Pius the twelfth says, you know, um, let them engage in most careful research, but with the necessary prudence and caution. You know, we we have to be very careful with even. You know the books we yeah. read, the the ways we even go about researching things. I know you like even on a natural level, people understand that you need like the, these people are being formed spiritually and intellectually. But like this is this is a little off the rails. But like Aaron and I have been, and I do this with my brother. We've been kind of into foraging. Like if your kid was out there trying to get into gathering wild plants and mushrooms. You would lay down some rules saying, okay, there are certain things you need to avoid. And you're not telling them to avoid them just because, you know, you just don't want them to be having fun. You're telling them to avoid them because certain things can kill you. So, I mean, even in our neck of the woods, there are there are mushrooms, there are berries that are lethal. And you need to know that before you go out and start exploring. Well, that, you know, I don't, I don't know if people <laughs> realize that, but there are ideas that are potentially lethal and they're i mean it's talked about right in the i think the first letter of john you know there are some sins that are unto death i mean there are things that we can do that are spiritual suicide eating a death cap mushroom is an obvious example of that you can die you need to lay down these rules so that people going out there and exploring the natural world don't die well it needs to happen in the spiritual world as well yeah Mushrooms are delicious, by the way. They're, yeah, they, we yeah. should all just everyone should forage for mushrooms safely and eat some delicious mushrooms. Yeah, we, we should I'll have forage for the rest of you guys. Here's the yeah. deal: I think we, I think we need to have one of those like inquisitions where we bring Julie on trial and and have her tried for her hatred of mushrooms. You know, like oh, whoa, go okay. on, go on. yeah, what? Say we go to you guys have been to Olive Garden, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I, I like their um. They basically have like a ravioli kind of a dish that's like portobello mushroom stuff on the inside. What are you saying? But Just I like say, that. say you like mushrooms. I like cut up tiny mushrooms. She likes she likes she likes pureed oh, mushrooms. Like mushrooms in, in pierogies. Those are really tasty. I've There's never so had much that, more... but I 
probably might like I makes tried. it. There's right. so much more than one type of mushroom in the world. That's yeah. the thing. I don't get like the texture mushroom. of a mushroom. Like if you were to say, no, 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 no. There's textures out there. That you, take a bite. Julie, that's like saying you don't no. like the texture of a fruit. No. Yeah. Like an There's, apple is not the same texture as a banana, even yeah. though botanically speaking, they're both berries and not fruits. Oh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no. Texturally, mushrooms are terrible. I just, no, 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 no. There's different mushrooms. Yeah. Anyway, we don't. We'll save that for another episode. Yeah. Yeah, but. Um, the one thing I did want to point out just before we we kind of wrap this up is, you know, even John Paul II again says that the, the university possesses the institutional autonomy necessary to perform its functions effectively and guarantees its members academic freedom so long as the rights of the individual person and of the community are preserved within the confines of the truth and the common good. Because freedom doesn't mean you get to do what you want. It is the ability to do the good. Right. That's license is to do whatever you want, which seems to be what a lot of people understand freedom as. Thanks, America. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Is <laughs> that a little American jab right there? Whoa. Why not? Well, that seems to be, you know, when they're spreading freedom around the globe by opening up uh, porn markets as soon as Iraq is undergoes its Operation Freedom. Well, you know, they seem to have a terrible understanding of freedom. Oh, but going to one might be part of your education. Yeah. 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 No, let's see. So (laughs) the, the question is posed. Do I do I still love Franciscan University? You know, like. Um, oh, sorry, Chris. Bob, do you still like Franciscan? Would you recommend people go there? Okay, so here's <laughs> Those are two separate here's questions. My, here's my answer to that. Yes, in the same way that I love Old Coke, Cherry Vanilla Dr. Pepper, Zellers, or my years in life team. I loved my time there while I was there and will always look fondly upon it, but to expect that it is the same as it once was is to assume that everyone there is the same as they once were. Hmm just like those who went there might be the same. My life in my Facebook feed has determined that's a lie. Franciscan has changed. It is inevitable, mm-hmm. so have I. Um, will the school, you know, retain its original vision, according to Father Michael Scanlon? Who knows? Who knows? Should people um, still go there? Is this like, like, don't go? Like, what? I, like, do- I, at this point in my life, I, I'm highly questioning it if I would send my child there, I think there, given the recent scandals in light of things of like, when it comes to things like sexual misconduct and how they've handled that to all the way to this blasphemous book shared in uh, an English class. When I was a teenager, I wanted to go to Franciscan to get away from that shit. Mm. Like I was like, you know what, I'm tired of being force-fed garbage. And that's partially why I didn't want to go to uh, King's. Sorry. Uh, I didn't want to even consider if I was going to go to a seminary to go to the the, the local seminary here um, because I, I didn't feel that they were faithful to the magisterium of the no, church. No, no, and so they're not. They're not faithful. You don't feel they're not faithful to yeah. the magisterium of the church. <laughs> Yeah, but anyway, I didn't. I didn't think that, so I was like, "Well, but Franciscan is from what I I knew, and that's why I went there." And but now I'm looking at this, and I'm like, "This this is starting to look a little like Notre Dame. This is mm. starting to look like Kings." And um, 
yeah, they might have a robust robust theology department, but what about the faith formation of people in business and, you know, in communications? Again, coming down to that question of like, are we going to start watching some shady movies just for educational purposes? The artistic value. To get the artistic value. Like, nah, like, I don't think that's fair, you know? And I, <laughs> yeah, I, re- I remember back when I studied at Franciscan, um, there was common rooms. Julie would remember the common rooms, um, oh, and yeah. like and like the TV lounges and stuff. And if and you man wanted, man in the hall, yeah, man in the hall. Um, but yeah, if you wanted to watch a movie in the in like a a common lounge or whatever it was called, a TV lounge, um, the movie had to be approved um, by the back then USCCB's movie review website mm, i remember that do you remember those uh so it was Didn't a bunch they of approve some pretty horrible movies they, i'm pretty sure they did and they denied certain ones uh they I think approved, some did not they approved broke back mountain did yes. they mm-hmm. initially initially but initially the, that was given a glowingly positive review and that but they also <laughs> but they gave <laughs> they, doesn't look surprised <laughs> <Wait a second. laughs> but but they gave like nacho libre the equivalent of a rated r so we couldn't watch Nacho Libre, you know, but we could, but watch. could watch. But the thing was, Mountain, you I could guess. watch Brookback Mountain or you could watch things like The Red Violin, which is uh, arguably, <laughs> which is yeah, pretty close to pornographic. And so, but because the bishops didn't actually review it, you could get away with it. Yeah. You know, it, it was this kind of weird mentality at Franciscan that didn't use their actual brains to think through why something was wrong that I saw back then and I'm seeing it still full blown now. And I'm like, what the heck? So would I send my kids there? Not if it doesn't change in the next 18 to 20 years, you know, I, I don't see, I don't see it happening, but yeah. Anyway, well, on that note, we did get one, uh, last question that was sent in to us. Um, did we? We did. Mm. Um, so this was sent to us uh, by Brian, also from the USA. Sorry, Brian, I didn't mean to make fun of America. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I've got to find the actual question. So we received a question from Brian from the USA. Brian asks, question for each host. Since you're all Canadian, if you were required to move to the continental United States, mm-hmm. which state would you live in and why? Michigan. Oh, well, I just love the Institute of Christ the King. I realize they're they're available <laughs> more than just Michigan, but I really like St. Joseph Oratory. Plus, then I'm actually further north than the part of Canada that is across the river from it. Canada is further south than Detroit is. Windsor, it's actually, you have to drive south to get into canada and i kind of like that it's kind of quirky so either michigan or chicago their mother house yeah yeah the actual shrine of christ uh yeah christ the king i just really love the institute it's absurd yeah you are you are an institute fanboy for sure that's a good question i'd live in oklahoma or i check out the mystic monks the ones who do the coffee and wyoming wyoming i'd probably settle myself near those are carmelites aren't they no well maybe the mystic monks okay Okay, so i go to oklahoma Oklahoma. (laughs) (laughs) um or yeah probably oklahoma then yeah and uh yeah just get in that community 
Yeah. Do you like Oklahoma as a state? No. Aaron no. really likes the super hot, hot and humid summers with cicadas that yell nonstop. Cicada. It sounds great. <laughs> I couldn't sleep. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't shower. It's just, you're already showering. Like my towel never dries. Never dry. <laughs> what a review. I was in it. Sounds great. Well, but, well, yeah. Why would you want to live there? Because of the monks. Because of the monks, Julie. Because of the way they welcome or him I, I so warmly. Cu- I, I, you know, now that he said Institute for Grace of the King, they I welcome to... you with a cup of coffee and they offer you cream. Who? Oh, okay, no. Aaron's changing his mind. Stop it, Julie. Come I'd, to the Institute. I'd be around, yeah, I'd be around. That'll win him over. The Institute or um, a monastery. In case you're listening, ladies, coffee with cream for Aaron. <laughs> Also, any, any, all the, all the single ladies, all the single ladies. Yeah. Um, Chris, where was Chris? So I, I'm legitimately having a moral crisis over this. Okay, which Cracker Barrel do you want to live by? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Cracker Barrel is not the defining factor for Ooh. me. No, no. Um, Latin Mass is a huge player because it would need to be a good community. But the problem mm. is, I also really like sunshine, and Ooh. we're the best. Mm. Where the best like traditional communities are like okay okay so you've got places like the diocese of Lincoln fantastic diocese right well I mean in comparison to you know ours so <laughs> it's a good diocese and they have a lot, crazy. yeah but like it's Lincoln Nebraska like talk about snooze fest gosh I, why like. I don't even know if they have board game stores out there. We'd have to do our. Research. I don't know. I don't know how evolved oh, they are there, but his dorkdom. He's like, he needs like dork central. Like, yeah, is it basically? Like, but like, live in California. I would like get six the board is, games per square kilometer. Thing is, like, there is FSSP. The FSSP are in California. They just oh, opened a new a new chapel there. It's debatable. It's debatable. What about Texas with Father Mark Goring? Yeah, go to Texas. I wouldn't go. Oh. Maybe. And there's a, there are Latin masses mm, all over there. Yeah, but there is no institute. Eight, yeah. But there is, but you would be on the coast. Dude, that's perfect. It. Oh, yeah, dude, perfect. Dude, perfect. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> that's that's my answer. It would be Houston, Texas. No, go to Corpus Christi, Texas, because that's just as if that's a name of a town. Yeah, the yeah, body of Corpus. Christ. They probably don't know that. Yeah, but they have ter- <laughs> they've, they've had terrible... They actually had a Eucharistic miracle there once, but um, I believe. But, yeah, they don't have the Latin mass... Like a Latin mass community that I would enjoy, I think. Mm. There. Mm. So yeah, I think Houston would be the answer because it'd be close enough to Galveston to go swimming in the coast. I need to be near the beach. Yeah, I like skiing. Maybe Vermont. I like we always ski in Vermont. My sister just went there with a friend. Wow. Julie, Vermont. where would you go? Where would you go? As an honorary <laughs> guest on this podcast. Get in there. Get in there, Julie. As your honorary guest. Wherever I my like Detroit, but I also want to be somewhere warm, so I'm kind of like a little crisis-y over it, too. Chris didn't figure into this decision. I don't yeah, really I, know. I see that, yeah. It's like wherever. I mean, okay, Latin mass community is important to me, too. I would also... Uh, Anything else important to you, Julie? Available sinus medication job. for your husband? Okay, hold on, hold on. We, we need to clarify this. First of all... <clears throat> The an- that answer was incorrect. The an- the correct the answer, answer is, is no. Where? The answer is wherever my, my husband, husband wants okay, to go. Okay, let's try this again. As your honorary guest and the wife of Chris, 
My answer is wherever he would go. Okay, wherever the right. head goes, the heart follows. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, you gotta put both of those in. Along <laughs> the sun, you tab and some cold effects. Yeah, we need some yeah. for the man cold. Oh, yeah, I need, I'm, on, I'm gonna need you if I go. Yeah, if so, you get sick, what are you gonna do? I don't know how he'd survive. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I don't know how any of you would survive, even Dr. Matt. I do just fine, thank you very much. There's plenty of estrogen in city water. and on that note thanks very much for watching everybody um listening listening (laughs) man having julie here just puts you on edge she's just just killing me lord have mercy (laughs) thanks for joining us julie we appreciated your presence on this podcast it's been my pleasure awesome thanks for having me y'all if you have any comments please leave them for me awesome (laughs) Awesome. All right. You can cut that out. No, no, we'll leave that in. Bye. (laughs) Bye, guys. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Thanks for listening. Thank you also to our listeners for their great questions. We really want to know your thoughts on the topics discussed during today's podcast, as well as your questions and topics you'd like us to explore in the future. So please follow us on Facebook at Theology of the Buddy and come talk with us. Please follow and subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Play to keep up on the great conversations, with new episodes coming every Wednesday. Next week, the guys will be talking about Father Chad Ripperger's talk, How to Raise a Man. The link will be in the show notes on theologyofthebuddy.podbean.com. Go find it and check it out in advance of next week's show. Until then, you stay tratty, San Diego.